This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. This is Marisa Brown, APQC Senior Principal Research Lead for Supply Chain Management. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're here with Anna Yona, founder and CEO of Wildling Shoes, to talk about putting sustainability goals into action. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. Hi. (laughs) So we know that with the current state of supply chains, a lot of organizations are facing some really tough decisions between meeting business goals today and achieving sustainability goals tomorrow. But there are companies that have figured out a way to grow their business and grow their commitment to sustainability at the same time. And Wildling Shoes is one of them. And they've got the awards, the press attention, and the data to back that up. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today, Anna, to give us a behind-the-scenes look into how you do it and inspire others to follow. But first, I wanted to start with a basic question. How do you define sustainability at Wildling Shoes? Yeah, that's a a very good question to start with, I think, because um, for us, actually, sustainability is no longer um, a word or a term that we like to use. Um, It kind of... um, it feels like you're trying to sustain something that if we look into reality has actually come too far already. So mm-hmm. if we're just sustaining things at this point of time, um, that's not enough. So we're actually looking into regeneration as a term to, um, to, to replace that. Um, so it's either regenerative or regeneration, meaning that we look into things um, as part of a circle, like trying to look at ecosystems, see how they work. And any, any good ecosystem works in a circle and brings things back, like has a positive impact, um, regenerates uh, resources um, and also provides something. Um, so it's not just sustaining something in a certain level, but to actually actively also have mm. a positive impact. So that's um, something that we're aiming for now. And it really changes your perspective on what to do and how to do it. That's quite interesting. So with that in mind, what are your main, I guess, regeneration goals? Um, And how did you come up with them? Are you using any kind of a standard or thing like that? Um, So basically, um, as I said before, we're looking at an ecosystem um, and we're trying to look at what does an ecosystem actually do or how does it function? So there are so many things you can be looking into. It's how to use energy and what kind of source of energy use, how to um, like collaborate also, how to to look at diversity in a different way. Um, It's about um, how you treat resources. Are you creating waste or is it going in a circle? Are you you providing nutrients or are you creating waste? Um, So as soon as you look into these principles of how a good ecosystem is working, I think this gives you a good approach to go into any area of the organization so you can look into how are you working as a team and you will do this or try to do this differently if you look at it from like a regenerative um, perspective you can look into finance like where does the money go and what does it do does it do any good and if so how Um, of course supply chains and and also um, product design are very very important um, aspects as well but they're not the only ones and i think very often if we talk about sustainability or regeneration um, like, or, or circular economy, people look at, at the product only. And I think we need to be looking into, into many more things than those. 
So it sounds like um, the, the circular economy concept is kind of where you're, you're drawing your main principles from. Yes, I do, I do think so. Um, but like looking at a circular economy really from, from a wider perspective, um, not just the product and the product life cycle, but really to look, to look um, beyond that and, and kind of, um, yeah, try to think about, for example, finance as, as a system and as a structure and how you can change that. It's quite difficult from within <laughs> structure, but still, I think we need to at least try. Oh, it's very cool. Um, I love your big picture perspective, but I am going to ask some, some more, uh, you know, specific questions. So I want to ask about procurement because I know that you do a lot of very in-depth work with your suppliers to ensure, um, you know, sustainable or regenerative uh, practices there. So could you talk a little bit about what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry if it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really complex um, way of looking at things. And um, I think we kind of have to embrace that, but it, it becomes really difficult to kind of pinpoint it. So I'll try to do this uh, with procurement, for example. So um, if we look into the supply chain or the resources that we're using, um, I think as a, as a company producing actual goods, this is one of the biggest um, things that we can, can do to change in order to have a positive impact. So so a supply chain, very often, if you look into certificates, a supply chain starts somewhere with, a, let's say, the textile production or something like that. Um, let's say certain certificates cover the production, like all, all steps in production, but they don't cover the cultivation. And I think it's really important to look, like to start from the cultivation, because that's actually also where you can really, really create a positive impact. So we're looking into regenerative cultivation systems and we are forging partnerships um, with farmers um, in order to set these up. And um, like through the, the cultivation, you can have a positive impact on the people that you work with. Like you can, especially in rural communities, you can, you know, add income, like pay fairly for those resources and the raw materials that are being produced and also kind of invest in more complex, um, diverse systems. So it's not the monoculture, um, but it's, it's a regenerative system and you can really recreate um, or, or regenerate soil health and, and water capacity, like water storage capacity, biodiversity, like there are so many positive impacts that you can have. And very often that's kind of left out of the picture. So I think that's the most important place to start. And then you can, you can continue, like you can look into each stage of your production or value creation process. And I think, um, also there, we need to look into it like, like a complex picture. Um, so who are the people working there? How are they working? Um, how do we use the whole, like the, the compound, the building, the structures, like how we're we using the space and the people and the resources. And so for each stage in production, I think what, what develops from there is a very, um, is a big plan of how to improve. And also not just, you know, the first thing would be how you can reduce harm. So that's, you know, um, the, the working conditions and the chemical management, the water management, like all of these. But I think you need to be looking into this further. So how can you improve working conditions, like beyond the legal minimum? How can you, you know, how can you um, create something new? How can you, for example, like create a green roof on a factory that would already be adding like mm -hmm. some space for biodiversity, for example. So if you look into each, um, each part of the supply chain, I think that's, that's a very important thing. And these will be projects to work on together with those partners. Mm. And then of course you have your customer relationship and they are an important part of the product life cycle too. And 
what you're going to do with the product after it's used. So how can you return that actually into the circle? So um, yeah, so it's, it's not just procurement. It's not just going somewhere and saying, okay, you know, we want to buy this textile or we want to buy actually a ready shoe and this is what we're going to pay and here's the audit and this is what you need to do in order to adhere to our standards. But it's really looking into deep stage. Um, it's always the basis is to build a good relationship, like to know these people, to, to know firsthand also how, how it looks there. I mean, to go, to visit, to get to know these people, to create trust and then to start building a project together that will actually cause a positive impact in the future. It sounds like you have very close relationships with your suppliers. Is that accurate? That's have you true. have you been in a, a situation where either for growth or to respond to a disruption of any kind, you've need, needed to build a new relationship quickly? And do you have any um, advice for other organizations that might be in that position? I mean, our approach, we, we're pretty young company and we've grown very quickly in the first years. So a lot of what we did was, um, you know, defining a minimum standard that you, you're comfortable to start from and then enhance that and continue building mm -hmm. on it. So it's not something that you can, you know, it's, it's just perfect tomorrow or it's like you need to just, you know, but, but I think it's very important to define the goals and to also really make this part of your organizational structure. I mean, to have this in your strategies as part of the KPIs that you're measuring as, you know, goals that you set for the next year and the next two years in order to keep this in mind. Um, but I think there's always like, you can define a minimum standard so that you know, okay, in case of whatever, something happens and you know, that great raw material cultivation project, you know, it's just not producing <laughs> anything this year. So you can fall back on, let's say a GOTS standard or something like that. So you have an alternative material that you can fall back onto until you can really set up. Um, and, but there's also, I think, a very difficult question in, in whether you can deviate from that standard. Mm. Um, and, and I think there it becomes like a very difficult decision. And I think you need to like have your vision as a company and your values as a company and your values will help guide you through these difficult decisions because some things are fine, you know, as a step in between, if you know that, you know, the next step will actually lead you somewhere else. And some steps you just need to say, okay, that's completely contrary to our values. And we'll have to like, you know, take that this decision and it won't be good for the development of our organization, but it's still, you know, we can't do this otherwise. Absolutely. So interesting the way you've built this ecosystem with your suppliers. Can you share a little bit about how you've brought that same mindset to the logistics part of your organization? Yeah, I mean, the logistics, um, we, like we have the providers and, and with those, I think it's very difficult because they are very big and it's very hard to talk to them. And, it, you know, it's very hard to, to be creative and finding solutions. Um, so we kind of like, we see this as a two, um, as, as two separate things. We have our own logistics. So part of like our team is working in the warehouse and is shipping and like is handling the goods that are being returned and shipped. Um, so I think there you can set up um, a goal or a vision of how logistics should actually work. So, um, you know, we have a weekend for our team. Uh, we have no over hours for our team. Um, we have quite long shipping times due to that also, but, you know, we don't want people to work shifts, for example. 
um, we have a very high minimum wage um, for like for the industry standard um, in logistics. And we're also thinking, you know, how, how can we make, like, we build a garden um, with a logistics team so they can, you know, they can have a break in the garden, they can do gardening work in between because, you know, it's a kind of repetitive work. Um, and there's many more things I think that we can do like to really, for example, to have a small kitchen and a, a restroom um, and, and maybe a day bed or something for, you know, truckers that, that arrive and they've come a long way. So, you know, maybe they can take a rest and, and a nap and, and have something to eat. So you can kind of start building, like, this is one of the only places where we're actually, um, where part of our team is, um, is sitting in a local place. Like we have a remote team. So, so usually everyone works from their homes. But um, the logistics are set in in a village here, like not too far from from where I am. So um, it's you can start thinking about this also as a community project. Like, can we, you know, have some kind of educational content? Mm. Like, do we have other other things that we can create to make this a gathering spot um, for different generations? Like this kind of things. And I think that's always where you have the positive impact on the one side, and then on, also for the team, like to have really creative projects to be working on and things that will disrupt, you know, repetitive um, day jobs. So, um, yeah, this is kind of where we want to take the logistics. But, um, of course, it's also about, like, reducing, um, like, like having the transport, for example, within Europe. Um, so we're looking into whether we can get this on rails, like right now it's trucks. And it's not so easy because the infrastructure does no longer exist. Um, so it's, there's actually, there are train tracks right next to our warehouse and we would have to revive them in order to, you know, to make this possible. Um, but um, yeah, to, to reduce uh, transport weight and volume is one thing. So from next, like from, from this year, we'll have just smaller boxes. It's a very simple thing to do, but it's something I think that, you know, if you don't look into it, like actively, probably no one will take care of it. Um, so there are all kinds of things um, that you can do, but like real logistics, especially also in between countries, um, I think right now is, is something that we haven't tackled um, and that we should really, really look into. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it sounds like you guys are really, you are doing that looking into, I think, across so many areas. So kind of from a big picture perspective, what um, practices, roles, technologies have been most important for you in achieving a transparent supply chain with Wildling Shoes? I think first of all, really, it's, it's a question of mindset and of values that you kind of clearly state um, and that everyone working, like everyone in the company, everyone in the team can relate to and can also, you know, know what it means like for your, like, it depends on the kind of goals that you set. Like if we're saying we want to reduce costs, so that's what the team, you know, will do. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where they see their, their biggest impact. Um, but if we're saying, okay, we want to, you know, work in a collaborative way, we want to establish long-term relationships and trust, and we want to build a positive impact on that, um, then it's a very different approach to your work and also a very different approach to your partners. Um, so I think that's the most important thing for us to really, you know, have this mindset in, in the team um, and the right people that really, you know, I mean, they, they come and, and work with us because that's really what drives them and what, what motivates them. Um, so we have several people working in this. Uh, we have a positive impact team. So there are like three people um, working on 
you know, what are the right things to measure? Um, what are the right indicators mm -hmm. for us that we're, you know, making progress um, to our, like according with our purpose? Um, how can we help the team establish where their biggest contribution to a positive impact is? So that's, that's kind of the positive impact team. And then we have sustainable supply chain with several people like looking into different things like chemical management, um, social onboarding for the factories um, and also different concepts. Um, and the whole like supply chain um, part is also there in the, in the sustainable supply chain um, team. We still haven't like changed the name for that team. <laughs> um, and then of course, like there, there are people in product design that are working on like any, anyone working on development, um, whether it's like it's in the material or in the, in the product um, part, um, they are doing this in order to, you know, help make the, the, the switch to a regenerative product. Mm. So it's, it, every team has some kind of a role um, that looks at the positive impact or regenerative um, contribution. Um, and then of course, um, we're using a tool now, but that's quite a kind of a, a very recent um, tool that we're adding that will just help us track, um, I mean, the documentation for the supply chain and uh, you know the different contact data and audits and whatever else is part of this, like all the, you know, the documentation of, of our relationships. Um, but that's kind of just, it, it's just helping us keep order and it's not guiding us through the process mm. or something like that. Um, and I think really the first-hand contact and the, the relationships are the most important thing to have in a, in a transparent supply chain. And since we started from the start, it's kind of easier to keep up. Um, you know, if you, like, if it's already a very complex organizational structure, we also, we don't have that many products. Like we kind of kept a, a very strong focus from, from the beginning. So it's much harder in the end to go and kind of clean up and, and, and you know, try to figure out everything that you've built up. Um, so that makes it easier for us. But I, I think it's, it's definitely absolutely possible to get transparency. Like those companies that say that it's, it's really, it, it's not possible, then you need to change your structures because... Mm. <laughs> And, and that's also, it's, it's especially the bigger companies that say that it's, it's, really, it's really a challenge. But if I think about the fact like how big we are and how many people we have working in this. So if you have the equivalent of that working in a, you know, a huge corporation, like it's definitely possible. It's just not possible if you have a handful of people trying to sort out the mess. Right. So. <laughs> oh, that's a good points right there. And I was just curious if I'm sure along the way, as you've built this regenerative culture in from the start, you probably had some lessons learned. So I was curious if you could share with other companies who are on their journey, trying to build more of a regenerative type of, of organization, what, what could you share with them? Mm -hmm. Well, I think first of all, um, it's really about mindset and goals. I think that's the most important thing. Like what is driving you and what is driving your organization? And the more independent you are, the better. Like if you, you know, have to fulfill an investor's needs and wishes, it becomes more difficult because there will be a different goal like set at the end of the year, you want to have a good bottom line. Um, so like if it's possible to keep your independence, I think that's an very, very important point um, so that you can actually take decisions that will influence your bottom line negatively, like no, no doubt about it. But, you know, if, if the money can do something positive along the way, why not use it right there? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of the setup and the independence and the mindset that is built in from the start. And on the other hand, I think it's really important to know 
that these are all super complex topics and that there's no ready solution. Like along this way, we really have to all also collaborate and, and share ideas and share knowledge and really work together much more than just competing against each other in order to find solutions that will help us all um, create a different, different kind of economy. So um, I think it's just fine also to, to start and, and you know, to walk one step after the other. And it's, it's fine. this will never be perfect. And you know, we can only approach that. And we need to keep those goals in, in, in view. But it's completely fine um, to start somewhere and then you know, dedicate yourself to the next step and the next step. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anna. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Great questions. And uh, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. And I'm Marisa Brown. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.